0: but he actually saved you for. You realize that he not only saved you from something but as you grow in your faith you realize he actually saved me for something. He not only saved me from hell but he has saved me for something even Greater. Let me take a moment this morning and, and just break it apart for you. And this may make some of you mad, but you'll be okay tomorrow. So, see, there's a difference in people that think that he just saved me from something. And there's a difference between those that he just saved me from and those people that realize he not only just saved me from, but he actually saved me for because it's those people that think he just saved me from those people, those people are often the ones I watch in years of ministry that get in the same boat day after day. They keep going back to what he saved me from because they have the mindset that he Saved me from it then, and he'll save me from it today. And they keep going back because he saved me from it, and they don't realize that he didn't save you to keep saving you, he saved you to get you for something. And it's those people that, that, that. that They catch the revelation of four that will not let anybody silence their praise. It's those people that realize he didn't just save me from something, but he saved me for something. Those are the ones that have made up their mind. Come hell or high water, I will not be moved because there is something for me on the other side of this thing he saved me from. And while the beginning, you know, the moment he saved you from something is pretty. If you've lived long enough, you realize that on the journey to your four, there will be trouble. It's an old song says, I smell TRO, you B-L-E. I said, hey. Anybody in the house this morning can testify that faith isn't always pretty. That living a life of faith is not always easy. Because unless you're God, you're not perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you so. Because you're going to have some good days. But how many of you know you are going to have some bad days? How many of you know there are going to be some days where you just got it all together? And then there's going to be some days you can't even get anything together. There's going to be some days where you are living victoriously. And then there's going to be some days where it feels like you are about to lose your mind. Anybody ever been there? There will be days of somebody got it. There'll be days of victory and there will be days of trouble. If you are truly living, you will face some trouble. Jesus said it himself. In this world, you will have trouble he said just because you believe in me doesn't mean everything's gonna be just rosy he said but i just want to let you know in this world you will have trouble but you need to take note because what looks like trouble in the natural is not always trouble in the spirit because trouble isn't always trouble in the kingdom in the kingdom trouble is an educator trouble is your professor Trouble is a teacher because so often God will allow the trouble. Because if it were not for trouble, a lot of us would never know who he really is. If it were not for trouble, a lot of us would not even go to church. I feel like I'm about to stir something up this morning. I said a lot of us only come to church when there's trouble. Trouble a lot of people I can tell when they broke up with him because they're back in church (sighs) if it were not for trouble some of us would never ever pray And sometimes God will allow the trouble to educate us on what he saved us for. Because if it were not for the trouble, we would have stayed where we've always been. We would keep acting like we always act. We would behave like we've always behaved. We would keep doing what we've always done. But the trouble did not break us. It showed us that there is a deeper place to go it showed us that there is a greater faith to be had because some of you would never found your strength if that man did not walk out on you some of you would have never discovered your gift if that girl did not leave you at the rock bottom but it took the trouble david said yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death because sometimes you'll never know the greatness of his glory until you've been in the lowest valley Trouble is a necessity. It's a part of living by faith. And if you live right, and you do this thing called faith right, you will have trouble. Trouble we find in today's text that I'm reading to you. If you know anything about Paul, you know Paul knows about glory. He knows about signs. He knows about revival. He knows about church. He knows about glory. And he also knows about trouble. Paul knows about conversion. He knows all about the Damascus Road experience because that was him. Paul knows miracles. He knows signs. He knows wonders. Paul knows glory. And he also knows... Prison cells, beatings, gossiping, and thousands of nations hating him, Because often, your level of glory is proportionate to your level of trouble. I said, "Your level of glory is proportionate to your level of trouble." In other words, you cannot get to a new level of glory until you've been through a new trouble. Glory to glory does not mean it's always glory. But you're going through the trouble to get to a new level of glory. And in today's text, Paul is on the brink of stepping into his four. He is on the cusp the brink of stepping into the very thing that he was created for. This man was saved, radically transitioned from that lifestyle. And God has him set on a path for his fort, and he is right there at it. This man is about to walk in front of the Romans and do what his, uh, his life, his troubles, have been teaching him to do. And wouldn't you know it, that as soon as he gets to the cusp, that as, as, as soon as he gets so close to his destiny, as close as he was to the thing that he was saved for, he was struck by trouble. Mm. he's staring at his purpose. Here comes trouble. And now here he is. He finds himself in a literal storm. A literal storm, a symbolic storm, a spiritual storm. And this storm not only affects him, but it wrecks his ship. It not only hurts him, but it hurts everybody around him. And here Paul is hanging on to whatever he can to get him ashore. And we watch as Paul makes it to shore. And we watch as in the middle of trouble, God meets him with provision. We watch as he gets ashore. And there is a fire waiting for him that he did not have to build. Is there anyone in the room that is thankful for God's provision in your life? You are thankful. That in the middle of the storm, that in the middle of the mess, God was still providing for you. In the middle of your craziness, God did not write you off, but he was still providing for you. Whenever you were crazy, God was still good. Because sometimes God will allow the affliction so that you can catch the revelation of his provision. Because sometimes if, if, if life is just good, you don't realize everything he's doing for you. Because sometimes God will take everything that you thought you had to have just so you can come to the realization that he's all you really need. And because sometimes God will remove every resource so that you can see he's the only source that you really need. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord that provides. And the very fact that you did not have to walk here this morning, that's provision in your life. The very fact we are sitting in a room with the air on. I don't care if you're cold, I'm hot. I'm glad the air's on. I saw you covered up. This message is for you today. But the very fact that the air is on is provision. The very fact that that you just inhaled breath, that is His provision for you. God's never done anything for me. You just breathed, didn't you? If you've got breath in your lungs, if you just inhaled, that is His provision for you because that is the purpose of breath, that the breath you just took in you turn it around and give him praise he's providing you with breath so you can provide him with some worship the word says that everything that has breath let everything that i provided for praise me and hell gets nervous when you catch the revelation he is all i need paul is stepping into a season of fire that he did not have to even build. And we watch as Paul catches the revelation of God's provision. This is another reason I love Paul. Because the next thing we see him do is he just don't say, well, there's a fire. But we watch as he starts to gather the sticks Because Paul understands that even though God provides it, it's our responsibility to maintain it. Because although he didn't have to build the fire, it's just the nature of fire that if you do not tend to the fire, the fire will go out. The honeymoon don't last always. Come on, men. In other words, this word that I'm preaching, it's somewhat powerless. The worship somewhat means nothing if you don't learn how to get some sticks throughout the week and have something to throw on the fire for yourself. Because I may can preach you hot on Sunday Sunday. But I'm not there with you Monday and Tuesday. And if you don't learn how to get some sticks, because although God built it, your fire will go out if you don't do your part. Because so often we live in a society, in a culture that we'd rather blame the pastor, we'd rather blame the church, we'd rather blame the president, we'd rather blame uh, the systems and structure of a nation on the reason there's no fire. But if we, the church, would just wake from our slumber and we would open our eyes, we would see that God is dropping sticks all around us. He's dropping sticks of revival, sticks of refinement, sticks of overflow. And he's not just looking for a church that likes fire, but he's looking for a church that will pick up some sticks and contend to the fire that he built. Satan is very much aware of the power of the stick because he realizes that it's fuel to your fire. He don't like stick gatherers He don't like churches that know how to work He loves lazy people Laziness is not a gift of the spirit Waiting on the Lord is patience Laziness no Satan loves a lazy church That's on fire on Sunday, but they have no spark on Monday. He loves a church with good music, but on Tuesday, the fire's out. He loves a lazy church. He loves a people that cannot gather their own sticks. And in the middle of gathering what you need in life, When you were in the process of saying, I'm ready to start tending, Lord, I want to give you some advice because, in the middle of gathering what you need, there's always a chance that you'll get something you don't want. I'm just out here trying to get what I need. I'm just out here trying to get what I need. I need a little loving. I'm going out here trying to get it. And then whenever you get that love and you realize, that ain't what I really wanted. <laughs> I'm going out here trying to get a job. You get the job and you realize, that's not what I really wanted. Because sometimes when you're out in life and you're gathering the sticks, what you need, you sometimes get what you really don't want. Because we watch as Paul gets something that he did not want. Because God wants us to get the stick. But the enemy wants you to get the snake. Wow. Wow. And guess what? When you're in the sticks, you're also in the snakes. Yeah, good. I mean, hidden in the sticks, there's always a snake. Hidden in the middle of revival, there's always a snake. Hidden in overflow, there's always a snake. Hidden in women of fire, there's a snake. Hidden in unity, there's a snake. Hidden in the sticks, there's always a snake undercover. I mean, just look at Jesus. He's gathering the sticks, he's gathering what he needs for his ministry. He's gathering disciples, and as he's gathering, he gets a little bit of Judas. He was gathering what he needed. He got what he didn't want, but he still used it. Because God wants you to get the stick, but the enemy wants you to get the snake. Well, Pastor, how do I determine what's a stick and what's a snake? How do I determine who's a stick and and who's a snake? How do I determine if this season is a stick or is it a snake? Well, the answer is really simple. You get that thing around a fire and you'll find out. I said, if you want to know if it's a snake or a stick, get that thing around a fire. I dare you to get that person around a Holy Ghost fire because the Holy Ghost fire will always show you who's real and who's fake and who's for you and who's against you. Ladies, before you say I do, get that man around a Holy Ghost fire. Men, before you pop the question, you get that girl around a Holy Ghost fire because snakes are slick. They blend in well. They can deceive you. But if you get that person, that thing, around a Holy Ghost fire and that thing starts to squirm, that thing's a, I don't know about this. Let me tell you, it's not a stick, baby. It's a snake. Gossipers don't like fire. Backbiders don't like fire. Pot stirrers don't like fire. Religious folks say they do, but they don't like fire. Naysayers don't like fire. Dividers don't like fire. If you ever want to know the truth about somebody, get them around the fire. That's why I always want this church to be on fire, because it keeps my haters away. It keeps liars away. It keeps gossipers away. I wish I had somebody who said, I always want to be around the fire because it keeps the snakes away. If you ever want to know the truth about somebody, get them around a Holy Ghost
1: fire.
0: Woo! Paul is doing life. He gets near the fire. And the snake proved it wasn't a stick. And it struck him. Snakes don't like fire. See, not only am I thankful for the provision of God, but I'm also thankful for the protection of God. Anybody thankful for the protection of the Lord? Because there were times... When we should have died. But his protection. There were times. When I should be. Laid up somewhere. But his protection. There were times. But his protection. There were times when the weapon that was formed against me should have prospered. But his protection. But aren't you thankful. That. Before it got to you, God got to it. And the church should praise God this morning for all the things he's protected you from. And the church should praise him even louder for the things you had no idea he protected you and your house and your offspring from. Let me remind the church... Why you are protected? Because you've got a weapon of protection. And that weapon of protection is the blood of Jesus Christ. I say to you, you've got the blood of Jesus, and the blood is on your side. I don't know, evidently, you didn't get that. You've got the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, if you are saved this morning, is on your side. Come on, remind your neighbor the blood is on your side. Come on, tell somebody. Now I want you to remind Satan, I've got the blood and it's on my side. Come on, say, I've got the blood and it's on Satan. I'm no longer arguing with you any longer. I'm not going to play any more games with you. Why? Because I've got the blood and it's on my side. You may not have it, but I got it. You may not want it, but I need it. I'm protected by the blood of the lamb. Anybody thankful you're protected by the blood of the lamb? This snake bit him. Some of you are saying that don't sound like protection. Get this if God allowed the snake to hit you he will not let the venom kill you. If it's his will for that thing to get you, he's not going to let the venom kill you. You need to get this because I found this just so exciting and just crazy. I don't know how or why I did not know this. When I was looking at snakes this week, I don't know if you know this or not, but when the scientists and the people in the labs, when they're making anti-venom, the stuff that they inject into people when you get bit by a poisonous snake, scientists have discovered that one of the best natural ingredients, get this, is lamb's blood. You can Google it. Google don't lie. They have found that one of the best natural remedies to venom is the blood of the lamb. Now, you need to understand, because they took the lamb's blood and they injected venom into the blood. And immediately they watched as cells began to appear. And not only did new cells come, but they literally lined around the venom. Because what once had it entangled, now the blood had it entangled. What was sent to destroy it, now the blood was destroying it. I don't know if you're getting this or not. See, whenever you get saved, whenever you get washed in the blood of the lamb whenever you are in trouble and you say i don't know what to do i'm just putting it under the blood of the lamb whenever you get saved it's like you are getting a blood transfusion so right now you not only have royal blood flowing through your veins but you've got antivenom throwing through flowing through your veins and you've got to realize this it did not make lambs immune to snake bites They could still get bit. They just ain't going to die. It doesn't mean that you'll never get bit. It just means that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I may get hit, but that thing is not going to prosper. You may lie about me, but that lie is not going to prosper. You may gossip. I don't know if you're getting this or not. You've got some venom inside of you. They may lie about you, but that lie is not going to kill me. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? We see a fire that is provision. We see a pall that is... Protected. And now we see a Paul not only being bit, but he was being bit in public. <sighs> see, it's one thing to be bit, it's another thing to be bit. And everybody knows you were bit. It's one thing to go through a struggle. It's another thing when everybody else knows your struggle. And you've got to walk around like Paul with snakes attached to you for everybody to see. Vipers. So they latched on to him, would not let him go. Amazing. Amazing. We saw the provision. We saw the protection. And now we watch as Paul displays perseverance. Walking around with snakes. Because it's easy to shout over provision. Whenever we get that $250,000, you're going to know it. Because we're going to shout. It's easy to lose your mind and go crazy talking about protection. But where is the church that will stand up with wounds and vipers on them and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him? Where's the church that will travail? Travail. Keep going. Although there's snakes attacking my house, attacking my mind, attacking my children, Where's the church that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Where are the people that will say, I will not stop? Where are the people that will say, I will keep doing? I will keep going. I will still, I'll keep sowing. I'll keep singing. I'll keep giving. I may be in pain. I may be bitten right now but I will not quit for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory where's the church that will stand even when it's not pretty say the Lord is good Listen, if you read this story, there were people in the background watching. Don't you love those people? Like peeping toms. What you doing? Oh, she got somebody new. And they walk around telling prayer requests because they don't want to call it gossip. If I were you, I'd pray for them. I don't feel free to say, but she had an affair. There's always people in the background watching. And they were watching to see if Paul was real. He should have drowned out there. Now he made here. Is he real? Now he's being bit by a snake. They were watching to see if this God that Paul was preaching about was real. And sometimes you got to get this. It's the people in the background. It's those people that I just talked about. They can't even see God. But the only way that this broken world may see Him is how well you handle your trouble. I was pressed but not crushed. I was persecuted, not abandoned. I was struck down, but I wasn't destroyed. Why? Because I've got some perseverance in me because I know he's provided for me. I know he's protected me and I can stand here with vipers leached onto me. I can shout when vipers have got a hold of my family. I can shout when the snakes of life have got my kids because I know in whom I trust. They're watching. Are you going to quit? The word said, surely he's going to swell up. Some of you are thinking, I've already swelled up. I'm swole. In the wrong sense. Surely he's going to die. I mean, he made it. Shipwreck, bit by, he, yeah, he's going to die. Surely, surely he's going to die. They're watching, are you going to die? Are, they're watching. Are you going to go back to what he saved you from? Or are you going to walk this thing out to what he saved you for? But what do I do, Pastor? How do I handle the snake? How do I withstand the wiles of the enemy? What do I do? It's simple. You stay close to the fire. You stay close to the fire. Ben, help me out. I said, you gotta stay close to the fire. Look at your neighbor and say, you gotta stay close to the fire. Why? Because God is watching. He is watching your faithfulness. He is watching your perseverance. He has watched you walk into this church carrying the serpents of life. He has watched you shout this morning. And you don't even know where your kids are because a serpent is squeezing the life out of them. He is watching as you walked in here and a serpent has got a hold of your marriage and guess what this morning I feel like the Lord is here and he's giving permission to shake it off. He's saying shake off every demon shake off every pain shake off every struggle shake off every snake that comes against your house shake off that snake in your house shake off that snake in your marriage. Snake, shake the snake off of your children today. Why? Because the devil tried, but you are still here. Shake it off. Look at your neighbor and say, shake it off. Shake it off. You got to shake it off. Stand with me this morning if you're not. You got to shake it off. The problem is where you shake it off because you got to shake it next to the fire. You've been shaking it in bedrooms and you wonder why you're still trapped. You've been shaking at the club. And you wonder why you cannot get victory. Because you shook it in the wrong place. Preach, preacher. You're shaking the wrong thing in the wrong place. And God is calling His church to holiness. God is saying, You can't live like that anymore. You got to get next to a fire. And shake that thing off you tried to shake it off at work it didn't happen you tried to shake it off with Oprah Oprah couldn't help you you tried to read Dr. Phil you shook it off it did not help you you gotta get in the fire and when you get in the fire that's when you start to shake that thing off because snakes can't stand the fire they cannot stand the fire come on can we just raise up our hands to the Lord right now come on let's sing it out this morning come on raise up your hands today from the snakes but you can be in the sticks and not be killed by the snakes in it not of it I want to pray for some people this morning I want to pray for some people that said, I've got some vipers strongholds things in life that have latched onto to me. i have latched onto to my family, my marriage, my kids, my career, my mind, my finances. I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm ready for these things to be loosed. Today's the day. He's giving you permission.
1: Shake it.